Connor's tea, how we get none. Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. All right, I'm Aaron Hegarty and I'm here with me sister. I'm Sorica Hegarty and we are the co-founders of Candlelit Tales and we tell tales set to music. It's what we do. And sometimes she does action figure moves with her, I don't know, she was just doing a weird there. Anyway. Nobody uh, can see me. I can see you. It's really distracting. You're <laughs> doing a warrior woman pose and it came across in the voice. Anyway, we're here telling stories and we do it live and we do it recorded now. And this is the podcast where we put a story to music last time, last time around. We told three stories without a chat afterwards. I know. It was sad. It was kind of sad. There was no chats. No chats. And this time we're doing chats after these three short stories. But we're also going to chat about the three stories from last time. So if you haven't heard the Heroes of the Fianna part one, maybe maybe go listen to that. Go back and have a listen. Otherwise we'll be having chats about things and you won't know what we're on about. You might know what's going on. And like, I don't know. I don't really know if people know what we're on about most of the time, I mean, to be honest. I don't know what I'm on about. I don't like, neither do I. I mean, I do, I do, absolutely. Who does? Who does? Now, listen, uh, just before we get on to the stories, I do like to mention that when we started, we asked uh, just basically for donations to keep this thing going, which was really sound of people because they're still doing it. They're still kind of donating to our live shows and we have loads of live shows. And if you want to find out more about that, find us on the Insta face or the... Facegram and loads of stuff like that. The Twitbook. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. Um, and we have a website, candletales.ie. And if you want to support us and be really, really sound, like our favourite person type of sound, you can go to patreon.com forward slash candletales if you want to, like, buy us a pint online. Except be I, our no, patron. I mightn't buy a pint. I might buy a pint with it, but I might not. I, I might decide to pay rent. <laughs> Hard groceries, I don't know. I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to have that choice. A bit of know? a vegetable, be great. An old yeah. vegetable. An old vegetable. <laughs> a bit of broccoli, me, you know. A few spuds. Get right. on with it. Right, okay. So without further ado, uh, we'll go on to the stories. All right, let's go. How Dermot Got His Love Spot One evening, some of the men of the Fianna were out hunting. Fionn McCool and Conan Whale McMorna and Dermot O'Divna. When the night came in on them and a mist came with it. Now the strange thing about this mist was that they suddenly realised that they did not know where they were. Although they were of the Fianna, and they knew every inch of Ireland. They could tell by the smell of the soil what part of the land they were in. They knew by how lost they were that they must be in the other world. And so they wandered, looking for shelter, for they didn't fancy the odds of staying out all night in the other world, where anything might happen. Now as they walked through these strange woods in this strange place, they saw a light spilling out around a doorway, It looked warm, inviting, like firelight. And so they knocked at the door of the little house to ask for shelter for the night. No, they were going to ask politely, because they were in the other world. There was no telling what manner of creature might be living in this little house. They were braced for anything when the door was opened and they saw her. This girl, young and beautiful, and that light 
that they had thought was coming from a warm fire burning in the hearth, it was coming from her. She was so radiant that there was a light that blazed from inside her and gave a glow on the walls of the house and spilled out around them into the misty forest with the damp dripping from the trees. The bright-faced girl welcomed them all in. She called them all by name. She fed them, she watered them, and she showed them to where they could sleep for the night. But none of them were of a mind for sleeping. Now, after a little while, Conan Whale McMorna thought to himself, You know what? probably not going to get another chance at this girl so he got up out of the bed and he went and he knocked on her door and when she opened her door he said how are you miss uh listen I might not be the best looking man of the Fianna but I can definitely keep you warm she smiled at him and she said going on well McMorna you had me once you'll never have me again so wandered off back to bed Fionn McCool in the late watches of the night well he wasn't sleeping either tossing and turning a bit with the thoughts of the beautiful bright faced girl so close by and so he got up out of the bed and knocked on the door of her chamber and asked her if she'd like a bit of company she smiled at him too and she said Fionn McCool you had me once you will not have me again. So Fionn went back to bed, thinking to himself, Jeez, you'd think I'd remember, like. Now in the wee hours of the morning, Dearmid Odivna knocked on the door of the bright-faced girl. Now many of the Fianna were handsome, and many of the Fianna were beautiful, and many of them were graceful and athletic, None of those things were especially unusual, but the way they all came together in the person of Dearmid Odivna was a thing to behold. This young man was the fairest of them all. He was only gorgeous. A great young fighter of the Fianna, more deadly than any with the two spears he wielded. So he knocked on her door he didn't really have a line, Dermot. He usually just had to knock on people's doors. And the girl, she looked up at him and she smiled. And she said, Dermot, ah, Dermot, you'll always have me. And then she kissed him in the middle of the forehead. I don't know what else they got up to that night. But the next morning, the Fianna awoke on a hillside, and the house, and the girl, and the forest were all gone. But on his forehead, where that bright-faced girl had kissed him, Dermot had a mark that stayed on him for the rest of his days. And that mark was the Baal-Shirka, the love spot, left behind when the girl, who was youth and beauty herself, marked him as her own. And anyone who saw the spot on his forehead fell hopelessly in love with Dermid Odivna. And he used to grow his hair down long over his forehead to try and hide it. 
for the bowl shirka caused him no end of trouble. McLugut Fionn McCool was known for being a great leader of men and a great father to his children and foster children and kind of like a father figure to a lot of the Fianna as well. One of the great men of the Fianna was a man named McLugud. His father Lugud had also been a great man of the Fianna back in Fionn McCool's father's day, but McLugud, well, he became great in his own right, but he wasn't always great. Until he was 12 years old, McLugud was raised up by Dubbin's daughter, who was a fantastic foster mother. She'd raised and she'd trained 800 who went on to be warriors of the Fianna. So she was usually a great influence on young people. And when he was 12 years old, McLugud came, sent by Dubbin's daughter, with all he wanted of arms and armour, sent to Fionn McCool to meet him to agree with him to go into service for a year. Fionn McCool welcomed him in, gave him a great welcome, gave him a great position, told him what to do and then kind of let him off because he was Fionn McCool and he had a lot to do. And McLugut, well he had a year in which to prove himself to all of the rest of the Fianna. But as that year went on, the men and women of the Fianna, well the more they spent around McLugut, the more they disliked him. There was something about him. It wasn't just that he was lazy, or that he was boastful, or that he beat his hounds and beat his servants. He just had this attitude that rubbed you the wrong way. He had a face that looked like it wanted a slap. And by the end of the year, three whole battalions of the Fianna, they went straight to Fionn McCool. And they said to him, look, you've a choice ahead of you now, Fionn McCool. You can either keep this young fella around, or you can keep all of us around. But it's not going to be both. It's him, or it's us. So Fionn, well, he looked at them and he said, all right, leave it with me. I'll talk to him. I'll see what can be done. Let's not do anything too hasty now, folks. Let's give it a minute to settle. He's only young yet. So Fionn went and he sought out McLugan. And he sat him down and he asked him, Do you know what it is has made all of the Fianna turn against you? And McLugan, in all the wisdom of his very few years, said, Well, I suppose they're jealous of me because I'm great and they're not and Fionn McCool said no that's not it and he said listen now I'm going to give you some advice if you want to be a great champion if you have a mind to be a hero of the Fianna there's right conduct and there's wrong and what you've been doing up till now is wrong. Let me tell you now the right. You must be quiet in a great man's house. Save all your anger and your surliness for the battlefield. 
Don't go carrying tales and spreading gossip and false stories. In fact, don't talk too much at all. Don't stir up trouble and go around making enemies for yourself. And don't be boastful and throwing around high words because it's shameful to do that unless you can really back it up. Don't go picking fights. Fights will come to you. And if you get into a quarrel, don't stand up to continue quarrelling because once you've stood up, it's only going to escalate from there. Save two-thirds of your gentleness for women and little children creeping on the floor and the poets and the storytellers. Don't be rough with common people. Don't give your reverence to all and don't be too familiar either. Be discerning in your company. Don't keep company with bad men or with fools, and if you get into a fight with a fool, do not hurt him, for he is without his wits. So long as you live, do not forsake one who you've sworn an oath of service to. And if you take someone under your protection, don't give them up for all the treasures on earth. Don't be hanging out in drinking houses. Never refuse to share what you have and do not be friends with a mean man. Never give anyone occasion to speak against you. Don't beat your servants without cause. And if you're going to accuse your wife of a crime, be very, very sure that she is very, very guilty before you open that can of worms. When you are in a fight, hold fast to your arms until the hard fight is ended. Do not give up any advantage in it. But as soon as the fight is done, always follow after with gentleness. Now McLugat sat silent for a moment and Fionn McCool said did you get all that and McLugat said I think so Fionn McCool said good because if you follow my advice now you'll be a great man truly and for a wonder McLugat remembered everything took it all to heart and from that day forward he changed and he became one of the great heroes of the Fianna one of the greatest men that has ever lived. One day, Fionn McCool was out walking along the hillsides of Ireland. Now he had left the hill of Allen behind him where the Fianna were training because he wanted some solitude. He was got off to walk on his own. Usually he would have the rest of the Fianna jumping to join him for an adventure or a game or any pursuit that he might find. But Fionn, this day, wanted to be on his own. So he walked out east, towards where the land meets the sea. And then he saw something coming towards him. This man ran towards Fionn McCool, knowing him by look. After all, Fionn was quite a famous man in Ireland at the time. And he wanted to join the Fianna. Fionn 
about this a lot, but this man, after discussion, had one very interesting thing about him. You see, the man told Fionn that, I won't sleep, I can't sleep, nothing can put me to sleep, not even a magic spell. Fionn thought that this was a very strange talent indeed, and by the look of his eye, the man definitely hadn't slept in a very long time. So he thought he might as well let him join him for a while. It wasn't long till they met another man coming towards him. And this man had a similar story. He wanted to join the Fianna as well. But he had a slightly different talent. I hold on to things and I don't let them go. No matter what the thing is, I won't let it go. I can't let it go. Right. Fionn thought, a man who can hold on to things and a man who can't sleep, they'll surely come in handy. No, a third man crested the hill and ran down towards them, screaming that, Come here, I can't slow down when I start running, and I won't slow down, and I won't tire no matter how long I go. So, once more, Fionn thought having a man who could row and never slow or never tire would be very handy. The next man they got to was a man that came up to him and said, I'll climb anything, anything at all, no matter how tall or how sheer it is, or slippery or slimy the surface, I'm the man to climb it. Fionn realised that this day was quite an interesting day for meeting people and just said, yeah, join the lads, join the lads. The next guy he met, he simply just asked him, what can you do? He replied by saying, well, I steal things. I steal lots of things. I'm so good at stealing things that when I go and steal a thing, I could even steal a baby bird out of a nest and sure the bird wouldn't even notice because I'm not good at stealing things. Right, come along. Now, another man came up towards them, realising that there was a trend going on and he had to show a talent. And he said to Fionn that, see this rock here now, I can throw the rock, and where it lands, I don't know how or why, but a big wall will jump out of it, and that's my gift, because I, I can throw rocks that become walls. Right, said Fionn, join away, and then they met a seventh man. Fionn was beginning to think it'd just be seven. Seven was a nice number. He liked seven. And this man came along and offered to join the Fianna. Now this man proclaimed that he had a very special talent, and one that Fionn definitely agreed with. I can shoot an arrow from here on the top of this hill, right through the needle of an eye, way out to the west as far as the horizon, and that could have shot. So Fionn thought, yeah, that would very be handy, that would be great. Okay, so let's go. Now... After all of these friends that he'd gathered, and uh, there was a lot, seven to be exact, the sun was beginning to set and he realised he was very far away from home and he really didn't want to walk all the way back, especially with all these strangers. But then he came to a grand-looking house and he knocked on the door, hoping for lodging after all. The Fianna were so generous that they gave away everything they had, but they expected the same generosity in return. So Fionn was hoping he'd find lodging. Now, when he entered, the man of the house declared that he was very happy to see Fionn cool and that he brought some of the Fianna. Fionn told him not to ask too much about that. But 
This man told Fionn that his third baby had been born that day and the last two babies that were born the night of their birth they had been stolen away. Everyone in the house had just woken up the following morning and had no idea where the baby had gone in two years in a row. And now this man begged Fionn McCool, the leader of the Fianna, to protect his newborn child. Fionn McCool lowered his head, resolute, and now knowing that this day would be the day where he'd save a man's baby and not go for a pleasant, nice stroll at all. But that was what happens when you're the leader of the Fianna. Now, they were settled in, they had their food, they had a bit of a drink, they had a bit of a sing-song, and things went on like that because they were simply, well, enjoying themselves the way you do at a party, and things were going great. And the man of the house wasn't very worried for a very long time because he had Fionn McCool, and who we thought were members of the Fianna with him. And so they supplied more and more wine, and people got a bit drowsy, until they got very drowsy. And suddenly something came over them and they all got very sleepy. They all closed their eyes and fell fast asleep. Except for the man who can't sleep. Well, he stood there in the middle of the room and he ran over the window, seeing and hearing magical music waft all around the halls. A strange smoke billowed from the coast. And now he saw a huge giant playing a magic harp coming towards him. He knew that this was the... The giant got towards the castle, leant his hand into the window and went to grab the baby. The man who couldn't sleep kicked Fionn McCool. Then he kicked him again. Then he kicked him a third time and Fionn McCool woke up with a grumble. But the man who couldn't sleep said, Come here to me. Uh, There's a giant there. He's going to steal the baby. Oh, Fionn McCool said, No, no, not on my clock. Fionn McCool grumbled, but not on his clock, he demanded. And he grabbed the man who grabbed onto things and wouldn't let go of them. And he shook him to wake him. And he threw him at the hand. And the man who couldn't let go of things once he held onto the things grabbed onto the hand of the giant. And they all grabbed onto him. And then they pulled and pulled and pulled and... The giant's shoulder popped right out of its socket, landed on the floor, and the baby was saved. Fionn McCool was delighted, everyone woke up, and they all cheered. Until they all saw the other giant's hand come in the window, steal the baby, turn around, and run towards the ocean, entering into the water. It waded through the sea. Now Fionn McCool was in full fight mode. He grabbed his men around him, he said, Right lads, we're going off for that giant. Is there a boat nearby? There was indeed. They got into the boat, they grabbed the man who couldn't slow down or get tired from rowing, and they got him a rowing. And so he went rowing and rowing and rowing and couldn't slow down because after all he had said he never slowed down and never got tired. The rest of them tried to help and tried to paddle along with him, but to be honest, this guy was just insanely good at rowing and not slowing down or getting tired. Now, once they kept going over the horizon, they got to a strange place where a mist descended and swirled all around them, and they realised they'd entered the other world. They saw the giant leave the sea and enter a strange-looking land with rocks and holes in the ground all over it, and they followed the giant, tiptoeing and crouching behind rocks, kind of not wanting to be seen. And then they saw him enter in a huge tower. He climbed up it and went into a big hole in the side of the tower. Now, when they got to the base of the tower, they realised it was vertical. There wasn't a single step. 
and everyone had tried to climb it fell right off. It slipped right down. So they turned to the man who claimed to climb anything and he said, don't worry about it, I've got this. Hang on a minute. And he climbed up as fast as you like. He scaled that tower, shot up, looked in the window and climbed right back down. He turned to Fiona and said, there's the giant, all right, but uh, there's a baby in there and uh, another baby and a kind of a fat baby and uh, two wee hounds. And one large dog, I've never seen the likes of it before, with two pups. And Fionn said, get up that wall and bring your man who can steal things with you. Throw him on your back, I know he's kind of heavy. But look, go up there now, let him steal the babies. We'll not only return the one baby to his parents, we'll return all three. They'll be delighted with us. They'll be telling a story for years, lads. He'll be famous. Now, they went up the wall with your man who could steal things on the back of the man who could climb things. And your man who could climb things climbed up and the man who could steal things climbed in the window. And he came out with not one, not two, not even three babies, but three babies and two puppies. And so, holding on somehow to the man who climbed down the wall, well, he managed to hold on to the man who climbed down walls by holding on and scissoring him with his legs and somehow managing to climb down and clamber, holding on to the three babies and two puppies and kind of managing to hold on somehow with his legs on the man who climbed down the wall. And when they got down the wall, they all decided they better make a sharp exit. Now, they started running away, but when they heard a... They realised the hound had woken up. This huge fierce beast leapt out the window and started running towards them as fast as anything they'd ever seen. Its teeth were the size of a tree. The hound could easily eat every one of them. So Fionn McCool grabbed the man who, well, could throw stones and make sure that rocks came walls or something. He asked him to throw a few rocks at the dog to slow him down. And so the man who could throw rocks that grew into walls grabbed it and said, watch this there now, this will be grand. And he threw three rocks and suddenly three walls sprung up out of nowhere. But the problem was the dog didn't slow down. He jumped over one wall, he jumped over a third wall, he jumped over a third wall and was going so fast now he'd be down on them in any minute. So quickly Fiona McCool grabbed one of the pups and threw him right back at the dog. The dog jumped in the air caught the puppy and then, well, nuzzled it and licked it. It was pretty happy. So Fionn McCool realised he was grand and they could run away. Now, they kept on running and they got to a boat and there they got the man who wouldn't slow down, wouldn't tire to row them back to Ireland and that's exactly what he started to do. And then they heard the roar of the giant coming towards them. Now the giant was cresting the hill and running down towards them. He was about to jump into the sea and when well, Fionn McCool grabbed the man who could shoot anything. He told him to put an arrow through the head of that giant and the man who could shoot arrows through anything said Aye, surely. And so he threw his crossbow and he licked the wind and he checked it until he flew the arrow straight towards the giant knocking his eye through his head till he was stone dead the giant fell into the sea and a huge wave blew up and carried them all the way back to Ireland with the man who could row never slowing down and never tiring when they got back to Ireland Fionn McCool carried the three babies or rather two babies and a fat toddler to the man who had given him lodging offering him his children back he was delighted and he promised 
with his wife in tow to keep telling this story. And then Fiona Cool turned around to see the small dog. Well, he was looking around and sniffing, and they all kind of laughed at the little puppy, wagging his tail, being all cute, puppy-like. And then the dog started chewing on some of the carvings of the carpenter, the wood chips and the little bits of wood that fell off from the carpenter's table. And someone said, you know, they call that bran, the bit of wood that falls off from the chipping. And Phil McCool said, well, it's a good name. I guess I'll call that dog Bran. John McCool, what a father. I'm telling you. I just, I, I think that's sort of like fantasy parenting, isn't it? Mm. You sit a kid down one day in the middle of their awkward teenage phase and you tell them the list of how to be a human and they hear you and they do it all exactly and from that day on, they are a paragon. I mean... Like... That is, that is like fantasy parenting right there. Only that would have worked on me. I've done with a serious, you know, everlasting spiel. I'm sure my dad gave me those. I mean, I'm pretty sure our parents gave us many of those kinds of conversations. Fair play to, you know what? Fair play to Louis. That's what I say. Or Lugut. McLugut. McLugut. Fair play to McLugut for actually listening and taking it on at the age of, what was he, like 13? You know, he was definitely just a young teenager, which is difficult. It's a difficult time. It's not the time when you want to be listening to an authority figure, really, is it? So this is the part of the uh, podcast where we talk about what we listened to. And last week we didn't have a chat about true. the Fina. Because, well, we kind of decided it would it would probably end up being a little bit repetitive. Yeah. Because we're, normally we tell one story and we talk about the one story. But this is a whole group. And so if we're talking about some of the Fianna it kind of made sense to us to talk about all of them because there's so many of them and yeah. they're such great stories individually they're such great characters there's such opposition there, there is such opposition between them and the ranks of them and the different kind of characters within them that I thought it might be nice to get a bit of a point of view of what they all are collectively together or for you to tell us about that specifically that kind of, their kind of values that bring them together well, like, I think part of the sort of values of the, of the Fianna and what they stood for and what they believed in, we've kind of looked at over the birth and boyhood story of Fionn McCool as well a couple mm. of weeks ago. And I think it comes through really strongly in that McLugan story. But one of the reasons I think it's worth kind of taking this approach to a Fianna series, because we've kind of settled into doing a bit of a Fianna series. Accidentally on purpose. Ex- yeah. Well, let's actually pretend it's on purpose. Um, one of one of the kind of cool things about doing it this way is that, like, it's almost like um, the way the sort of Marvel Cinema Universe is going now, you know, where you have yeah. the individual character and then you have the ensemble story. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I often think of that when we're telling stories of the Fianna or the heroes of the Ulster Cycle. When you tell them to a modern audience, you have to introduce them to the characters. And when you tell those stories in a culture where everyone knows the stories already, you just say Dermot and everyone knows who you're talking about. You don't have to give his backstory. You don't have to give his origin story. And so their their kind of ensemble stories come to life in a different way. 
the more you get to know the characters within each of their own particular stories, the more they lean and have a fuller character within the next story. Exactly. And like there's some wonderful, you know, character dynamics between them <laughs> in terms of like they don't all get on. Certainly not. Um, they they have their little personality clashes and their own kind of divided loyalties and their own opinions on things. It's a great one coming up now between Dermot and uh, that's coming away, but that'll be in a couple of weeks. That's one of my favorite things. <laughs> but we will talk about that. We will talk about that after the next episode when we get to that. But like, yeah, there's all those kinds of little like things that happen that do happen in a group. Yeah. You know, whatever the group, you're always going to get these little like things going on, dynamics mm. happening, and it just makes more personable more real it, get, it mm. gets across these really individual um, I guess uh, characteristics within yeah, the groups you know? that there's personalities mm-hmm. and that they're not all kind of you know flat hero archetype types yeah because they're you know? be boring then. well yeah but it is that thing of like when you don't know who they are you'll be able to enjoy the story and listen to it anyway to a certain extent but you'll miss some of those nuances and some of those little kind of byplays and a little bit more of the connection to them, I think. And I've certainly noticed that in like in, in uh, our live shows, you know, when you recognise people recognising a character, you know, it brings it life for them. And you really that gives you as a teller then something really buzzed to play off. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of feel like when you say, sure, you man, dear man, like the gorgeous fella, you know, people have that image of him. Yeah. They already know. know who you're talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. and they already know who you mean and they're already like, oh, I know him, you know, yeah, it's cause nice. Because we, we, we kind of, we, we pick a, either a person we know that's like that character or we might have seen or we visualise uh, something that's very probably, uh, you know, an archetype that's very similar to what it is in the story, you know, because these are, these are very strong archetypes anyway that they're playing off. And collectively, they, you know, they band together under the same banner. And this is what I'm kind of interested by because, well, amongst lots of stuff, because the Fina, they were mental, like, as in they were outside of society. And mm. all of these guys abandoned their homes. They took up no lodging. They held on to nothing. They went roaming around the landscape. They were defending Ireland from God knows who. And they were just doing it for the purity. Yeah, they relinquished all those familial bonds and all those kind of bonds of family and ties in a very clan-based society, which we've kind of talked about before. But they were also the elite of the elite. Like, if you think about, if you correlate with, say, Greek mythology, it's it's Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. You know, only heroes need apply. Only people who are already heroes get to go on the boat with Jason. Yeah, yeah. Only people who are already ridiculously amazing get to join the Fianna and then they become part of this elite group there's this initiation into it and then once they're in they have all of these adventures as you say they just dedicate themselves to to like you know defending Ireland and the beginning to to the story um not the next one but the the one after that that we'll do literally has them going oh there's a funny thing that's a weird thing let's go look at it like let's poke it with a stick and see what it does you know, the hospitality they, of Kuna, those. they pretty yeah. much go looking for trouble. Yes, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that's what they're constantly doing because they're out for adventure and they're mad, and, and they're they're able for it. They're able, you well, know, well able. And so, you know, the stories we looked at, we, you know, we had the the birth of 
Bran and Skjolan, which is just this mental story. It's just bonkers, but it's brilliant. Ah, it's a great story. And it was kind of like, it is one of the sad things that, that often comes up when you're when you're kind of looking at Irish mythology, that there are all of these female characters mentioned, but at some point somebody didn't write down their stories. So it's one of the ones that we have that is about, you know, at least it's about women who are tangentially related to the Fianna. Uh, which so. is, you know, Turin and Uckdalvin and, and all of that. But it's, it's an absolutely... the fair breast as well. Like, not, I know, not yeah. one breast, but just, or maybe just one, the one fair breast. You know, not both I'm, of them. I'm pretty sure know. they mean breast as in like, you know, uh, collarbone to decolletage. Like they're nah, not talking about nah. one tit. They are, yeah. No, they're, one, they're <laughs> talking about one fair breast. She, she had one fair breast, like. No. The other one was fairly bad. That's not what breasts used to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she had a fairy tit and a monkey tit. <laughs> so by the way, we're talking about the stories of last, uh, yeah, last episode. That was the last episode. If you haven't heard that, this will make no sense. Um, but she, like this, you know, that's that's a great story of kind of romantic rivalry. And I think a good story of um, what happens when you make assumptions in relationships. Well, Tiran, to recap, you know, is this beautiful woman aunt to Fiona McCool and all of a sudden, you know, I guess once she gets married off to well, a fella who is a very lover. From her point of view, she just goes and gets married to a nice man. Yeah. And then this woman shows up and turns her into a dog. <laughs> and that's that's it. Which is kind of, you know, I mean, it's often the way in, in kind of relationships where somebody cheats that people get way angrier at the person they've cheated with than at the person who actually betrayed them. Um, which is a whole other psychological thing that goes on. But, that but poor bloody Turin gets the short end of the stick completely. Completely. But as one of the most desired and sought after women of the Fianna who everyone was afraid of going near because of the relationship with Fiona she gets pregnant gives birth to two dogs because she's a dog when she gives, gives birth to them and yeah. these by the way to clarify she gets pregnant as a human oh yeah, yeah. she gives birth as a dog yeah that's I just, I just I just don't want to cast aspersions on Tara and have anyone thinking that she wrote a dog I mean that's what I thought when I read it first <laughs> she didn't write a dog she might have she didn't well she might have I mean, the father but didn't. <laughs> she didn't. And now we're going to move along. <laughs> hey, you know, maybe she was just sniffing around. Ahem. Anyway, um, so the the end of this version of the Brian and Skjolan uh, story is that Phil McCool is very, very heavily related to both Bran and yeah, Skjolan. They're, and his, they're his cousins. And so that's why they have the intelligence of... Yep. They have the intelligence of human beings and they have the hearts of dogs, which is kind of an amazing combination. Class. Because they have all the like love and loyalty and unconditional friendship and goodness of dogs. But they're also like super, super smart. Hmm. And and yeah, they become his constant companions. He's never without them. And it's just kind of I, I, I think there's a real, you know, there's a real thing that a whole idea of like a boy and his dog. It's such a kind of a trope in yeah. storytelling. You know, you've got a cre- you've got a companion creature. Disney films do it all the time. Every every princess has a companion creature that just like gets her. Yeah. And here's Fionn with these two dogs who just like get him, and and see more deeply than him sometimes, as they do in the in Sorry. the story of Sive that we had a little while back. 
So why do you think there's a second version of that story, as I told? Because <laughs> like, in I love it. It's mad. It's mad. It's mental. But what's the what's the deal with all these versions of stories? This is the interesting. There's an interesting thing with the oral tradition, right? Which is that it is very stable within a particular place. Stories don't start changing very much until they start getting written down, which is kind of the opposite of how most people think of it. But if you think of the way that when stories are told over and over and over again in a community, uh, there's no tolerance for deviation from the script because everybody in the community knows the story. And this has kind of been studied in, in in modern oral traditions. You'll have a thing where like if the storyteller forgets the next line, the audience will shout it to him because they know it. So there's on the one hand, there's this extraordinary stability where they just get passed on and passed on and passed on and passed on. But on the other hand, you've got to remember how small communities used to be and how little travel and communication there was between them. And so you'll have a very, you'll have a story that's a great story in one place, but it stays in one place. And then, you know, a little way down the road, you will have a different version of that story that also stays stable in that one place. And then you'll also get a thing where, you know, there was definitely, there was a lot of travel around the coast of Ireland. There were trade routes from the west of Ireland going all the way down to northern Africa. And stories travel. So you'll get a story that comes from Greece, for for instance, or from France. And people will take it up and they'll change it. And mm. where the Greek hero is, they'll put in Fionn McCool. Or, or, like, or the, the the king with donkey's ears that we experienced in one of our live yeah. shows recently. There's uh, a there's a story about a, a king, Larry Lynchuk, who has who has donkey's ears. That's an Irish folk tale, but it's actually a Greek myth about I think it's King Midas. Mm. It's a it's a like it came from somewhere else, but it is that thing of like you put in your local king or hero's name onto the story, yeah. and then you keep that story. So the interesting thing is that you you get that kind of weird little uh, schism in the stories schism where you get like it's a great word absolutely Tyrion was the mother of Bran and Skjolan and also there is this whole mad giant story. giant story that is also absolutely where Bran came from because how else did he get his poison claw yeah 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 you know because he has to be completely otherworldly and that makes more sense is to put him in in, in the other world and um, sure and like that one or other of them could have been a story that came from somewhere else that people liked that does sound like more especially the the seven the seven heroes that Fionn meets and they all have a uh, you know that kind of sounds slightly more uh, British Isles kind well, of well Ireland is, is technically part of the British I mean Isles. the other the but other British Isles I, I do think the whole thing of the the the, the child being snatched hmm. is that crops up in in some Welsh mythology. Yeah, it is interesting. It's quite possible that that's a Welsh story that was told and that was kind of taken up and and Irished. Right. Yeah, that's what it, that's kind of what it feels like. Although you know, if you know any better than me, please do uh, let me know. Well, this is the kind of thing that you know people who Us, study uh, mythology uh, can spend an awful lot of time arguing about. Yeah, and and. It would, there is a certain amount of enjoyment to be had in arguing about these kinds of things because there's no real definitive answer. There's a lot of opinions. God, you go down and like, this is actually 
one of the times I was just I was blown away by just the amount of stuff online that people put up online. You know, mm. we, academics spend ages. Thank you. You know, you legends. Oh, yeah. By the way, thank you, because we don't <coughs> speak old Irish. Yeah, and the translations that have been done are are being made now. And are can, still being done. There's you know, so much of Irish mythology is just not translated. Yeah. And scattered in the libraries of the world. Oh, man. And so, like, there's continuous work for, for the these brilliant kind of bookish types that are, you know, whiling away their time getting all this information out there. And people often ask us, where do we get our stories? And it's all over the place. Like, you know, it's so... Yeah varied in the sources and it's people are just putting up and you know Google Books is a great source as well mm. because there's just so much up there and a lot of the FINA because a lot of these FINA stories came from loads of different sources all mm. over the place mm-hmm. you know that's where we like to mix and match and find you know yeah we'll tend to find different versions of the stories and kind of like mash them together but like even in, uh, you know, in the stories that we told there, you know, that there's a different version altogether of how Dermot got his love spot, where his foster father, Angus Oga, gives it to him. Just gives it to him. Yeah. And like, you know, there's probably a different origin story for any of these. Guys. I like dropping that in when I'm talking about Angus Oga, like the guy who gave him the love, the bull shark. Yeah. It's kind of, it's not even even a, it's not even a story. It's just like that's something like Angus would do. It sounds like the kind of thing that he would think would be very amusing. Whereas the story is lovely the story is gorgeous and again it's that kind of you know it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other like that's that's always my inclination with these stories is that if it's an either or I'll take both yeah and depending on the day I'll tell you one or I'll tell you the other and I feel like this is the kind of thing that like I enjoy that kind of ambiguity and I do think that they're like not everybody likes that and I think that's one of the reasons that Irish mythology is maybe not as well known as some of the other mythologies of the world Yeah, because you know it wasn't written down as early it's very incomplete there's a lot of conflicting versions and there's no real structure for the pantheon of, yeah, of gods yeah, yeah. either you know like, it's not as clear cut there probably was at some point but it was not it, it has been lost yeah so whoever the primordial gods were, whether it was the two at Adanan or McCool and McCrecked and McGrania, we don't, Bamba, we don't, enti- Fola, Eru, yeah, 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 we yeah. don't entirely know. Totally guesswork at this stage. Yeah, it kind of is, but it, it, it leaves you um, lots of gaps to fill in imaginatively. And mm-hmm. I, I like that. And I think, I think it's the kind of thing that is, yeah, not everybody likes that. I think some people really don't like the, the, the fact that there isn't a clear answer. Well, one of the things I do like about, uh, you know, one of the stranger oddities of, of these stories that were passed down was Quilta Macronon coming back from mm. the other world to pass on the story uh, or the stories to be retold. Yeah. You know, he comes back as if that was his duty. He, you know, he, we, we call him the fast, the tall, great, thin man. He's the fastest man in Ireland, which is the greatest sand story we've definitely elaborated I think that was like two sentences when I read it first but um, mm. you know that like he was a very like how come he was the guy who who came back with the messages to retell these they're like we, well there was actually there's a version like again versions uh, there were two of them really because there was there were two of the Fianna who finished up in the other world Gwilta McGronan was one of them and the other was Oshin, mm. who was the son of Fionn and Saiv 
uh, Oisin went off to Tiernan Og in one of the better known stories of Irish mythology. Uh, he went off with a with a pretty lady on a white horse and he came back in an attempt to visit and fell off his horse. And there is a story where Oisin meets St. Patrick, which I think we've told, actually. I think we have that as a podcast episode as well. I'm starting to forget now. <laughs> We're getting up to do- we're getting up into like the the twenties soon enough, and we're and doing so many live gigs as well <laughs> as the, the podcast. So bear with us as we you bear with us as we try and remember when we actually told you stuff and whether we told you stuff. But yeah, we did talk about Oshin and St Patrick in a podcast, um, and there's also a version of that where where Queenie is around, and the three of them have this whole conversation where it's Oshin and Quilcha and St Patrick. And then there's another version of it where Quilcha meets St. Patrick separately to Oshin. Yeah. Um, so it's, I he think... flew away into the other world and the jets roared and... Uh, oh yeah, there's an airplane flying overhead. I mean, I was just Why are they flying story. so low today? I'd say it's because Quilcha had a word. He was like, here lads. They're not normally that loud. Yeah, I th- well also we're, we're listening to them. Super headphones. I we record in the studio. Shop it's a shop. <laughs> Don't call it a studio. How dare you? They're there, shop. It's okay. It's you're okay, not, shop. You're not a studio. You're, not a studio. you're a little. You're a little shed office. <laughs> yeah, I know they just seem louder today. We've recorded here before. Is my point, and nice. everything seems a good bit louder today. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. What I was what I was trying to talk about was Oshin and Kreisha being the guys who variously come back with the stories mm. and definitely Quilcha seems to be someone who's like he's got a bit more control over it like he comes back and forth from the other world and then eventually is like I don't like this place anymore all of my friends are gone and it's no fun mm. um, which is kind of sad and it's also a really weird thing that happens quite a lot in Irish mythology <laughs> For a mythology that was mostly written down by Christian monks and ostensibly was about trying to convert people to Christianity, any time an ancient hero turns up in Christian Ireland, they give out about how shit it is and how small and weak and grey everybody is. Mm. And they hate it. And like it happens in the Oshin story, it happens with Creelcha, it happens in the Children of Lear. And it's such a, like, it's always struck me as being a very odd thing. Well, that, that kind of, I, I kind of think of the lads out on the islands, you know, who are um, writing these the stories are you know in, surrounded by stone and cold and the monks in their monasteries and they were like they were devout Catholics and they were kind of as nuts as the lads no, in the that we're talking about I don't think they were devout Catholics because I don't think Catholic and Protestant was the thing back then okay like the early Christians were their own brand of crazy and, Sorry, yeah, and well, here in Ireland they were a very um, they were very monastic kind of um yeah, they were they were off meditating in stone huts on the on the islands, like and and. Okay, that's yeah. More they were devout, right? They were just, they <laughs> Some were of them were very devout. Fucking devout. Okay, that's why I meant <laughs> put them in a box, Jesus. Um, but they, they they were so and so like you know they 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 fucking didn't eat that much or eat that well, and they were cold probably all the time. And so they was they were writing about you know the the fay the the others the the better times, and they, they seemed to kind of you know, maybe make that connection of better was before opposed to right now. Because always when you're in history, it seems like you're in the shit history. 
opposed to oh you think this is this is like the monks also having a little bit of a like Arcadian things used to be better in the old days I think so yeah in the good old days when youngsters were, were not rude to their elders make Ireland great again <laughs> they were saying oh for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's get Kesser and our African women back up in here that'll make Ireland great again um, yeah like that's that's like possibly it, it's just a funny little thing and yeah, I mean, you know, as the writers writers down of these stories, maybe they were expressing a little bit of discontent. I mean, I'll still go back and look at, and read uh, Fionn McCool's advice that he gave McLugid and go, that's just, that is a, some seriously solid... That's some, ag- yeah, like it's surprisingly solid advice. For, for masculinity at any generation, for- in any time... Of for history. kind of yeah, and like for for you know how to be a man, how to be a great hero advice is what he kind of hmm. frames it as, and it's just like, don't start shit, don't escalate shit if it starts, if you can't get out of it, sort it out, but then leave it behind you. And I mean, like I said, it was very good advice for men. For men, like obviously, it's very good advice just for people. It's the don't be. A, dick attitude but I think it's that that attitude I've told this story in schools before and that like you know kids warm to the idea of Fionn McCool telling them you know how to be how to be yeah you know how and, to be in the world and boys mightn't always get that solid advice you know well boys when they get, need it a bit more I mean that's what I mean I mean if you think about the way McLugard was behaving and the way he was corrected, which was like he was behaving badly. He was being a he was being a little shit mm-hmm. and he was throwing his weight around and he was being a horrible kid. And he got pulled up sharply by Fionn McCool and the rest of the Fianna who were like, we don't like you. And if you don't change, you have to leave. And then Fionn gives him this like, this is how you cop yourself on. Whereas I think... In a lot of modern society, when especially when young fellas start acting the maggot, they don't get pulled. Up. They don't get pulled up in the right way. Mm. You know, we get we get either pulled, get yeah. boys will be boys, which is horseshit, or we get um, too too harsh a correction, where mm-hmm. you're you're fucking dangerous at the age of fourteen and you're expelled. Yeah, and yeah, everybody yeah. stops talking about to you or about you, like. It, there, there isn't that. I think you're right. I think there is that kind of gap in terms of having somebody who's older sit you down and go, "Look, you've got all this aggression. You need to learn how to manage it. Use it, yeah, and and, and channel it and use it, yeah. yeah. The whole idea within the within the Fianna, you know, that brilliant moral code of strength of or a strength of limb purity of heart and action to match your words gets kind of you constantly get a chance to do that mm. and if you don't match your actions with your words you get called up in it if you're not mm-hmm. strong enough and your heart isn't pure enough in what you're doing then you you, you, you get another chance to, to show that you can do it but you get very very firmly you redirected. get you get called on it yeah like that's I think that's one of the interesting things about the Fianna is that they're not like there's nothing sort of, you know, the way groups can get very uh, protective of each other, where they'd rather keep the harmony of the group than actually call out somebody's bad behaviour, you know. Mm. And and that's something that doesn't seem to happen within this group as much. 
Mm. Um, you know, they're they're pretty well. Like as it goes on, it it starts things start to fall apart. But that's that's another story which we'll get into at a at a much later date. But you know, there is I think at least for these couple of stories, there's definitely the idea of like you'll get called on it if you're not living up to those ideals. The others will notice and they'll pull you up. Yeah. And it is always our duty to try and call each other out on shit. When I'm getting being a dick, I get called out on it by my sister. When she's being a dick, I call her out So I'm going to leave it there. I think it's a nice place to end because we have more Fianna stories coming. It is the summer after all, even though the summer decided to leave us and we're getting rain again. Yeah, the summer summer decided not to load in Ireland. Yeah. We're going to be we're going to be uh, having to. Chase the sun somewhere else. We had a great week last week, or last month rather, going up Karen Tool and oh, I was great one up Brandon. Oh, I was fantastic looking over the, the peninsula. I hope you enjoyed that entire weekend of summer yeah. because that's all you get. That's all I got. That's all I got. It uh, was indeed. And listen, thank you very much for listening to the Candle of Tales podcast. If you like it, share it. We have a hashtag Candle of Tales podcast. If you want to send it off to somebody, do indeed. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. Thank you, Oshin. Story was, well, the stories were by me and me sister. Mm-hmm. Kind of throw them together. Us too. And oh, the music was Oshin Ryan, though. Aye, in fairness. So, if you want to support us doing this podcast, if you want to help us continue to breathe life back into old Irish stories, you can support us by going to patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales, where you'll find details on how to support us mm-hmm. uh, and we've very we've got a few supporters it's great it's we have helpful. some supporters actually one thing is that some podcasts read out the names of their supporters and I've been a little bit hesitant to do that because I'm not sure if people would like us to mm. so let us know if you'd like us to I guess it's because a very Irish thing to go ah no don't mention it we'd like to say thank you yeah <laughs> and we do thank you but if you'd like us to, to give you a more personal thanks at the end uh, yeah let us know I, I know the people even if they want it wouldn't say that email well listen you know okay Irish, do you know what if you don't uh-huh. want us there you go now if you definitely don't want us to actually say your just your first name and say a personal thank you at the end of the podcast Get in touch and tell us not to do that. <laughs> and if you don't get in touch, we're going to start thanking you. Yeah, we are indeed. Because thank you very much for supporting us. Uh, thank you for spreading word about our live shows, which we have on a continuous basis as well. If you want to find out about those live shows where you'll hear music, live storytelling and the rest, you can find us on candletales.ie. We're on all of the social media things as well. Just Google Candlelit Tales and you'll find out yeah. what's going on. <laughs> Candlelit Tales is our name everywhere. We everywhere. just decided to keep it consistent. Yeah, it's a pretty good idea. And if you want to get in touch, comments, questions, feedback, go to info at candlelittales.ie. And if you'd like to book us, yeah. that goes to bookings at candlelittales.ie. It's all the one, really. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back uh, next time with another story about the Fena. Until yeah. then, Can't wait. enjoy the Irish summer. And get an umbrella. Or preferably a poncho, because umbrellas break a lot. Yeah, so, uh, we'll be here. That. You.